time. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 32. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, Menas, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Uh, the same followed Paul and us, cried, saying, I want you to underline this, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us a way of salvation. I have meditated on that phrase. I meditated. I don't see one thing wrong with that. I don't see one thing wrong with that. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Of course, it goes back to the politics. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid, look at that, many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received, received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Most prisons had three levels, the outer, the middle, and, and then the inner. And made their feet fast in stocks, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so at the foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loose. The keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now it's still pitch black now. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, and this may be the most famous place the whole passage right here, most of you know this, what must I do to be saved? And then the answer is equally as famous. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. Now most of the time when preachers preach on this passage, they preach on those two verses, but that will not be where I will be at today. I uh, want to say that uh, what I'm going to preach today is meat. It's not fish. It's not milk. It's meat. Some of you people that are young in the Lord, you'll chew on this and spit it out because it's just too, too strange. But you that have lived a while will appreciate the ribeye that hopefully by the grace of God, uh, I, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, will serve up to you this morning, uh, when I was sick with the flu, those two weeks, and and uh, coughing at night, and, and you know nights are slow. When you sleep, nights are quick, but when you're sick, brother, nights are long. I mean, man, I mean the time drags. You know, you lay down, go out for five minutes, and it's only five minutes later, and you go out another five minutes, and only five more minutes later, and then only and and you know this is one of them things you can only suffer alone. You can't suffer your wife; she's sleeping like a baby in the other room. I'm going over there and say, have sympathy. She's like, yeah. And, you know, finally I just give up and shut the door, and I'm out there with Jesus and me, you know. And I'm suffering through this thing. 
But it was, I'll be honest with you, it was, it was horrible. Been a long time since I'd had the flu. Uh, the nights were long. They were long. Man, I tell you what, I, I just drop off with exhaustion and, and wake up soaking wet. I mean, soaking wet like I'd run a marathon. I had to change clothes uh, many of the nights three times because you wake up cold because you're wet now. Um, I was disoriented. Sometimes I'd wake up not understanding the difference between the dream world and the real world. Uh, I had crazy thoughts, crazier than normal. I took, that, uh, I took that one cough medicine that the kids are all clamoring to, to buy off. That. I, I bought that. Now I know why, man. When I was a young man, I was backslid and out of the will, will of God, and I, I dropped acid quite a bit during the Jimi Hendrix Led Zeppelin era. And um, I've hallucinated a lot. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't hallucinate any more on LSD than I did that Delsum. That stuff is something else. I don't know whether it's just me. But that thing, that put me on a trip. And I was seeing things moving around my house and stuff like that. And you just don't like that. I don't know about you, but that's spooky. But I, because I had dropped acid, I knew that that wasn't true. And I just had to ignore it and cry out to God. But you can imagine how I was crying out. God, help me through this. Man, help me. I go over to my wife for help. No good. She's very empathetic during the daylight hours. But... Uh, the spirit of fear wanted to come on me. I don't know if you know the spirit of fear. And I'd say, but ours is not the spirit of fear. But of love and of power and of a sound mind. I thought I was losing my mind. It's a terrible feeling. And the fear wants to come and, 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 and thoughts of what could happen. I mean crazy. When I say crazy thoughts, I mean crazy thoughts. Um, I just kept repeating scripture, crying out to God, asking him to come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, help me. The Bible says the righteous cry, the Lord heareth, deliver him out of all their trouble. Here I am this morning. It is true. Uh, the morning finally would come. Oh, longing for the morning. Woo. The morning would finally come. The day would come. It seemed like things got better. Even though I was exhausted, I'd go outside and sit on the porch, try to have a cup of coffee. Uh, and I, I, would, I would make it through the day okay, uh, but the, uh, the uh, torture, torturing scenario of the coughing and trying to sleep again as night would fall, uh, it would make me uh, not look forward to the night and exhausted again, go through it. About seven days I went through that. During this time, I began to reflect on, the, on a lot of things in the Bible. God came. I can tell you this. God comes when I'm my weakest and I am my, my most helpless, that's when God seems to come. He came and talked to me about a few of these things. I'm going to share them as the weeks go on. Uh, during this time, I began to think what it must have been like for Paul and Silas in the inner prison, left for dead, no doc, no medicine, no comfort, no sympathy, left to rot in the prison stocks. And let's go back to the passage here, and I'm going to do a little exposition little pretext, context, and uh, see what we can come up with. I believe God will speak. First of all, I see verse 16 through 18. I see the force, the force of darkness is at work. It came to pass that they went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. Um, and the men, I mean, you know, I won't reread that for you. You've read, I've read it already. There are real forces of darkness at work 
in the world we live. I hope you're not naive enough to believe that's not so. There are real, honest forces of darkness at work. This future telling or fortune telling or spell casting, enchantment, a making girl was all real. It was not fake. She had a demon. The Bible tells you that you wouldn't know that. The Bible didn't tell you that you wouldn't know that. But we are, we, we know. We have inside knowledge, we born again Christians. There's a spirit, there's demons. They empower people. They actually give them some ability to predict the future. The difference between God's predicting the future and their predicting the future is God's predicting the future is 100% right all the time, not one little jot or tittle wrong. Their predicting the future is maybe 60-80%, uh, and they'll be wrong a lot of time, but they're going to be right sometimes too. And so it's supernatural. Uh, but they do not have the... And by the way, this girl spoke the truth. This, let me say this demon, which was in the girl, spoke the truth about Paul and Silas. Uh, now... I just have to believe that can, it cannot be included in print is a tone, right? I mean, I can say to my wife, I love you, in print. And she can read that. I love you. I love you. I love you. I mean, you can, you can, you can interpret uh, by the tone of something and the way it's said. Uh, it can mean something completely different, though they're having the same words. I have to believe, as this girl was saying this, which was which was under demonic power, that it was in a mind, oh, these are the men, you know, that come and speak the truth from God. And I, I just got to believe that there was something fishy about what was going on there. Because it said, Paul put up with it many days. But eventually, in his spirit, because I believe he obeyed the Holy Spirit, in his spirit, he got grieved. And he cast the spirit out uh, of her, uh, and, and brother, when you start opposing the forces of darkness, the, it enrages the heathen who worship them. If you want to oppose the forces of darkness, go around saying that you don't believe in global warming. There's no science at all for global warming. 31,000 scientists have signed a, signed a petition that said there is no such thing as global warming. John Coleman being the leader of it, which is a scientist, which was the creator and founder of the Weather Channel. The guy is credible. But all the D Democratic National Convention and all these other politicians say there's global warming, there's global warming. I'm not here to preach about global warming. But I'm, I'm here to preach about the deception of it all. If you repeat a lie enough, people believe it. And, and, and this, this uh, brother, these people were not happy that they lost their opportunity to make some money. And if you tell them there's no global warming, and they're not going to be able to make money off that thing. They're mad about it like you're some sort of heretic, some sort of idiot. Paul cast this demon out of this girl. The hope of their gain was gone. You reach into their pocketbook, and they're going to get upset. And they began to reach into their pocketbook, what Paul and Silas did there. And they got upset, real upset, and there was a war. Paul and Silas were trying to preach a gospel in a peaceful environment because that's really the best way it works is when you can preach it in a peaceful environment. And we see in verse 19 through 24 there, the forces of government. We saw the forces of darkness. <coughs> now we see the forces of government. And, and I'm not going to reread all verse 19 through 24, but they caught Silas and Paul, and they, and they said, you know, they brought them before the authorities and the rulers, and they said, these folks are troubling our city there. Um, 
and they, they grabbed them and eventually stripped the clothes off of them, laid many stripes on them, uh, threw them into the inner prison, and put them in the stocks. That's a whole lot there. God allowed these men, these godly men. Would you agree with me this morning that Paul and Silas are some of the of God's servants? Would you agree with me that Paul was some of the of, of the of the people who love God and want to do his will? I mean, you just have to say that. I hope so. If you don't, you have a right to be wrong. But nevertheless, God allowed them to get caught. Uh, I got to say this truth. Uh, for all you young people, I want you to open up. Some of you old people really know this, but some of you young people don't. But you will. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Against Joel Osteen, against uh, Jim Baker, against that whole crowd that preaches health and wealth, that God wants nothing for you but prosperity and good health, which is an absolute lie from hell. The Bible does not teach that. If you read the Bible through with us every year, you'll know that in a couple readings. You'll say, hey, the Bible doesn't teach that. You'll say what I say. Why? Because I've read the Bible. But if you just want to believe uh, in global warming, whether it is or not, go ahead. I'm back to that again. Bad things happen to Christian people. Doc sees it all the time. Uh, you got to get out of your mind that God, but, but, but preacher, God wants good for me. Why, why uh, them people, uh, I can't think of his name right now, that faith healer in Orlando. He says that only God wants good and wants health for you. And he goes to uh, Psalm 84, 11 and says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's Bible, isn't it, Tom? That's Bible. But God's definition of good your definition of good are a whole world away. I mean, they're a whole world away. Uh, what the trouble is, is we got in our mind what good is. We make God in our image. We make God after our likeness. We make God after our expectations. We make God after what our parents taught us. We make God after what mom and dad taught us or grandpa and grandpa taught us or our professor taught us, and not what the Bible says. You get back to the Bible. You get into the book. You, you plow through this book, and you'll find out who God is. And I can tell you this. God's definition of good is not your definition of good. Uh, the, let's go back to Paul and Silas for an example. Um, God did good to Paul and Silas that day. Do you believe that? I mean, you have to say that if you want to be theologically correct because God always does good to his children. If you being evil know how to good gifts, give gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good things unto them that fear him or love him? I mean, come on, it's just all over the book. So God's going to do you good. He publicly shamed these people. He publicly stripped these people. He publicly had them beaten, not with a few stripes, but with many stripes. Now, we're talking the Roman. I looked this up, did a little research. We're talking about with rods. This, Bible, Paul says he was beaten three times with rods. This is the only time that's recorded that he was beaten with rods. The other two times are not recorded. But he was beaten with rods. I don't know if you've ever watched over there. There's a country over there, over there in the east somewhere that still beat him with rods. Uh, Singapore, uh, maybe Singapore. I watched about... 
five minutes of a young guy getting 30, I couldn't take, but after 10, I had to turn it off or I'd have nightmares. I'd be up at night thinking about that. His skin was splitting after 10. The muscle was beginning to well up. I mean, it was, it, by the end of them 30, he'd have been a hamburger. His little behind would have been a hamburger. And I mean, you'd never get over it. I mean, you'd scar up. Uh, you may heal, but you're never going to be the same. Hello? This old boy was beaten three times with rocks. Three times. Many stripes. The Romans didn't really have a law. The Jews did. Only 40 stripes save one. They only go 39 stripes. But the Romans, they don't have law like that. The Romans, they can beat you 50, 60 times. Whatever they want to do. We're other mad at them. These people are causing our city much trouble. They cast this girl out, this demon out of this girl. Now we can't make any money on soothsaying. And, and, and they got those people fired up. And I imagine they beat that snot out of them two boys. They put them in the inner prison. Now, I looked this up and did a little research. The inner prison were, were for folks who were under the death sentence. They, in other words, you weren't coming out. The outer prison had some light to it. You could, you could actually have some light to it and the middle prison, but the inner prison had no light. It was a dungeon. It was a four walls. And by the way, they didn't clean it up. The guy before them uh, uh, defecated uh, their feces, if that's the correct, correct pronunciation of that. And all of the, I would say other stuff, but I, I know you're tender here this morning. But their stuff was on the floor from the time before. The flies had gone in there. Imagine it was inhabited with rats. Uh, it was wet. It was a mess. They took Paul and Silas with rough hands, just back all shredded, threw them in there, put their feet in the stocks, and, and that was it. Shut the door, pitch black. Now, you got rats crawling around you, sucking your blood, because rats love to drink blood, and they'll come up and eat your pieces of flesh that are laying there while you're alive, and uh, all, you don't even see them. It's pitch black. Can't see a hand in front of your face. You're in there. You know Silas is there because you can talk to him, and there you are. But in verse 25, we see the forces of the Spirit. Things look bleak, as about as bleak as they can get this side of heaven, amen, for Paul and Silas. They look bleak, but that's when the Spirit of God comes. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. God will bring you... <clears throat> Excuse me. God will bring you where there is nowhere to go but God. What will you do then? Christian, what will you do then? They prayed and they sang praises. I have to ask myself some questions. What? Really? Honestly? Has, has anything even close ever this bad happened to me? No. Have you ever had something this bad happen to you? Probably not. They, what amazes me about this passage is they were not bitter. You, you can't pray and sing praises to God if you have the slightest little bit of disappointment in God. Like, why did God grab me? And have, We're out here preaching the gospel, seeing people saved in the city of Philippi, and he has me, I do one thing after many days, cast this demon out, because she's harassing us and, and hurting us, and I probably had good reason to do it. But God, you had us caught, brought before the magistrates. You had us beaten mercilessly. You had us thrown in this inner prison where, where people who are, are meant to not come out are put, and they sang. 
Praise God from all who blessings flow. I don't have my voice right now. Somehow I don't feel they did either from screaming. They were not bitter in the least. They had nothing. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Man, get this if you don't get anything before you go home. They were not bitter because they had nothing in this world left. They had nothing in this world left to lose. Lester Roloff said it this way. You will never know down here that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have left. Oh, I like that. I'm not a good enough Christian to be put in this position. Or he would have. Because he'll not withhold one good thing from me. You can tell how mature you are by what tests you don't have. I can tell you these people are mature. They're as mature as a born-again believer gets. They get beat. They don't get bitter. They start singing and praising God and, and praying. And, and the, one of the reasons, you know why a rich, you know, you know why we have trouble with this kind of thing? Because we're too rich. There ain't a person in this room who's not considered rich in this world. In the third world, too billion people's dream is someday to have a bicycle. We give them away. But you know what, man? You know what's hard? You know why it's hard for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven? We got too much to lose. And we hold upon these things which we've been given as if they're dear to us. But you can tell by this passage that God don't care too much about this world. And what it offers. Because these are his choice servants. Rich people, and that's us, grieve over the loss of what we have lost and become disappointed with God and bitter at God because he's taken it away. And we, we, have, been, we have been shorted. And, and, and if God becomes alienated from us and distant from us because... God has disappointed us. You can't live for Jesus if you're disappointed in him. Can't do it. When you get saved, it is a very important thing for you regularly to do to take everything you have, the little trinkets you have assembled, and give them to God on an invisible altar, on an imaginary altar, and give everything you've ever had away by the grace of God. In your mind, at least, at least in, 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 in act, give it all up. Health and everything. If you can please God. One time I invested uh, some uh, retirement money that we had worked for 30 years amassing. At $70,000 I put in bank stock. And God went like this. I had a little nest egg. I've never saved any money. I had a little nest egg. I thought, man, you know, when I get too feeble to do what I'm doing and, and nobody wants me more, I'll be able to at least have a little few dollars. And he went, no, you won't. Trust in me. 
I thank God. I went around a few days after losing that $70,000, which happened in one day. And I was bummed out. I got to tell you, I was bummed out. I was bummed out. I thought, Lord Jesus, you know, it was just. I began to say to God, if that would hurt me, you got it. He already had it. One coming home. But I had to get right. I had to get my mind right about that. God didn't disappoint me. He helped me. That's why it's hard for rich people to be pleasing in God's sight. Imagine with me Paul and Silas there in the prison. Their backs are shreds of skin and blood and raw muscle quivering. I've watched muscle quiver. Quiver in the mass of, of goo. They're hardly, they were hardly handled, thrown into the darkest place here. The smell of the feces and, and, and urine and rot filled the air they were in. The rats ran everywhere, the flies, the gnats, the worms. Their feet were placed in stocks. Usually, I, I looked this up, usually those stocks were a little bit higher than your chest so that you had to lay, you either had to lay back or you had to try to sit up, but it was not comfortable. They made the stocks where, wherever you were, you weren't comfortable. And here their backs are in, in a mess and they had to lay down probably right into the feces, right into the garbage, right into the junk, right into the goo, right into their backs. Doc, that's a nightmare of infection, man. Nightmare. They laid their backs into that. They'd try to sit up. They were mixing their, their filthy jail floor, mixing that with their body and their flesh. No food, no water, no care, no concern. Brother and sister, they were at the lowest of the low. They were considered the off-scouring of this world. Yet these two men would be considered in any theological circle to be God's choice, best servants. Is this the way God treats his best? Something's different about these two guys. They hear him singing and praying. Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails. So why don't you trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. I don't know if they sang that or not, but that's a very old song. They sang praises to God. They thanked him for what was going on. And then, and then in verse 26, 28 there, the forces of light came in. Woo-wee! God shook that prison. The reason we don't see often the power of God demonstrated is because we're not willing to have the attitudes that Paul and Silas had. 
We're not willing to go where they went and be and, and praise God when everything's pulled out from under you. He said the guy jumps in. I don't think Paul thought this was a soul-winning occasion. Yeah, I mean, come on. And here, the guy jumps in. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, you soul winners out there, oh, that people would ask us that question. Oh, I've had him. I've had it. I've gone door to door before. One time I was so down, I've told the story so many times. I've told everything so many times. I stopped by this house, and I was down that day. I said, God, if you don't save somebody, I'm, I'm going home. I ain't never doing this again. I don't recommend doing that. I don't say that that was a good thing to do. That's what I did. I got out of my car by myself. I, did, I couldn't even find anybody to go with me door to door. That's how down I was. Nobody even go with me. And so I went to this house, knocked on the door, and a young 20-some-year-old kid came to the door, and he said, I just got off my knees and told God, if you don't send somebody by, I'm going to kill myself right now. I said, he did send somebody by, I'm here. I led that boy to Jesus in tears and brokenness. And that's happened to me a few times in my life where the appointment was there. Ooh, I love it when you meet the appointment. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And you know what? A Calvinist would say, now, you know, I got to spend a few Bible studies with you. I got I to gotta go over the deity of Christ, virgin birth, blood atonement, inspiration, scripture, because if you don't know all that, you really can't be saved. You don't know what you're doing. Oh, gosh. I'll challenge you all the way down from the Bible one end to the other. Bible, brother, when the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God is there, it don't take a whole lot of talking. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Don't you get on us believers for out there telling people to turn to Jesus and be saved. Look and live, my brother, live. He said, if you look on the serpent, you're, you're saved. He didn't say you had to go do something or learn something. He said, in, when Moses had them fiery serpents, he said, just look and live. And Jesus uses that example for the Son of Man will be lifted up. Now, I know the Holy Spirit's got to be there. But when the fire of the Holy Spirit and the, ga the, the, the fuel of faith meet, the flame bursts and people get saved. You don't have to over-explain the gospel of God's there. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Now, they, they spoke more to him, the Bible says about it, and they did. But I don't think we preach a complicated gospel. We preach, we preach a spirit-filled gospel. A simple gospel a five-year-old can understand. When God explains it, no long discussion needs to take place. This jailer knew he was a sinner. You didn't have to go over that. And he knew he needed a savior like these guys had. Because he never heard or seen anything like what he just heard or saw. The fire started in his soul and the flames started in his spirit. And he went home and his whole family gets saved. Took Paul and Cyrus, Silas and he, he you know, doctored their backs as much as possible and brought them back in. Now, I didn't, I didn't go with the rest of this, but the old magistrates that whipped him called, said, you can release him. He said, oh, no. He said, we're Roman citizens. Now, brother, if you read anything about Roman law, if you took a Roman and whipped him without a trial, 
and beat him without a fair trial. You, you got what he, what he got. Paul could have had those magistrates whipped just like he was whipped because that's what the law was. If you didn't treat a Roman citizen fairly and honestly, you got it, what they, you, you got what they, what the, you gave them. And he had them by the throat and they said, oh, please, please leave, please leave the city. The Bible says they didn't. They went in the house and for a little while, they eventually left, you know, but they went there. God used that for a great thing. Now, when we pray sometimes as Christians, Lord, expand my influence for Jesus. Get ready. Expand my influence for the gospel. Get ready. Because God has to come in many times and do what he did with Paul and Silas to, ex to expand your testimony. To know where all that you got left. You know why they, could, why they could sing and why they could pray in jail? Because they had nothing left on this earth. Everything that they had was in heaven. And the only thing they wanted to talk about was what was they had. And that was what was in heaven. And they sang about what was in heaven. Man, when I was old Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, on the old mill working side of town where a lot of them people worked the same job for 35, 40 years, never had any material possessions, never had any 401K, never had any health plan. And they just lived life out till they died. They, they died the same uh, economic level they started, and they'd come to Tabernacle Baptist Church where they found old Jesus Christ, they found Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, and they found that heaven was all they really had. And you've never sung like you've sung with those kind of people. You've never testified like you've heard testify with those kind of people. When I got to be with those kind of those 13 or 1400 of those mill workers that got saved from that poor background, and as a man, uh, raised really in, in luxury and, 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 and wealth. I never understood any of that till I got among them. And they, all they wanted to sing about was heaven. All they wanted to talk about was Jesus. And I got it. I got it. Who are you? Some of you young people got all kinds of things God's going to run you through. You'll not outguess him. You'll not figure it out. But I can tell you, do what Paul and Silas did. No matter where you find yourself, just say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord Jesus, I know that you'll not withhold one good thing from me. Father, we pray this morning that the Spirit of God would explain this better than I could. <coughs> that you will come and that you will help us. <clears throat> There's a lot of Christians in this room that are going to have wild and crazy things happen in their life. They're not going to know why. Because God don't, he's not much into explaining himself. He's into letting you trust him. Trust and obey. It's, it's the only way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. But every, every saint that's ever trusted God all the way has found him to be there, found him to be strong, and found him to be faithful. Not one word of anything he said has ever failed. And it'll be true with you all the way home. As it has been true with me so far and will be true all the way home. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with some bitterness. I mean, truthfully, truthfully, you're disappointed in the way God's, that, that the hand that God has dealt to you. You're disappointed in the way things have worked out. You're disappointed in this and disappointed in that. Why don't you quit being disappointed and just trust God? Why don't you just go to God and say, I just accept whatever you've dealt out to me. 
as you're a good God and a creator, and it's going it's to be all right. Everything's all right in my Father's house. Well, what a, what a victory it'll be today if you just give that to Him. And from here out, just praise Him and pray. Praise Him and pray. Trust Him. And you know what will happen? People will see that. And they'll say, what must I do to be saved? And you can tell them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Father, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You come do business with God. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.